Good morning. It is great to be back and uh, appreciated Pastor Brian Howard's uh, good handling of the Word uh, the last couple of weeks, and we're going to conclude our series Calvary Next this morning. And uh, it's also, part of that, of course, has been our talking about and casting the vision of Calvary 2030, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, I asked you a few weeks ago, got quite emotional about praying from, for some of our persecuted partners that Leslie and I had gone to Europe to visit, and we were struggling to get them inside the country. And last week, uh, Troy told you that uh, things were looking good and better. Uh, we have two families that we've been trying to get here because of uh, persecution. Uh, one of them is with us this morning. You met Sergey, the other Sergey, <laughs> last week. But with us this morning is the family I was talking about particularly, uh, Sergey and Katya and Christina and Ilya. So would you guys stand? <clears throat> Um, Sergey, many of you remember we would bring Sergey and Katya uh, up on the stage and pray for them. They've been partners with us in Russia for quite some time. They've had a, quite an ordeal of the last 26 days since he left without his family to go to Turkey to flee the mobilization of men to war. Uh, they did not believe in that war. Also, even before the invasion, uh, they had been investigated uh, for having Western ideas four or five years ago by the FSB, knew there was a file on them, their neighbors and other people were being investigated. So they've gone through years of persecution, feeling like at any day he could be taken out and put in prison. And uh, some of that has happened to some. Uh, and so to have them with us uh, is just such a blessing. And uh, they have a status, he told me it's officially on the paper, what's it say, unknown alien? Uh, <laughs> But it is an official legal status where they can appeal for asylum refugee status uh, within the next year. And so, Lord willing, then that will continue. They deeply want to reach their land for Christ. But right now, the environment with Mr. Putin has put incredible persecution on some specific uh, followers of Christ and pastors and leaders. And so we have one more family. Uh, they are in Mexico awaiting the opportunity to come across. It all happened legally. God opened a door we didn't know existed. It was actually through a Christian ministry. And so there'll be uh, Alexi and Olya and their son Timothy. Thursday, Lord willing, will cross the border. It was about nine hours of processing, but all done uh, very graciously. And uh, so we're thrilled you guys are here and just thrilled. Uh, when when uh, Alexi and Alia uh, join us too, we'll talk more about our responsibility and commitment to them as a church. We have committed to care for them and take care of them, and uh, they'll be great outreach pastors on our team, won't they? Um, we'll be committed to walking with them in the journey ahead, and we'll bring them, give a fuller story in the next couple of weeks. We get a chance to tell you uh, all that they've gone through and pray for them, because I think sometimes Americans, we think, oh, they're here, they're safe. But they said goodbye to their home. They said goodbye to family members. They said goodbye to fellow believers. Uh, this was not an easy decision. So let's pray for them and for their kids, uh, Christina and Ilya, uh, that God would bless them and uh, thankfully, uh, they're staying uh, with a family and being cared for, and we're watching to make sure, working to help them get settled. I also recognize this Friday is Veterans Day, and just what we've gone through with our partners and what they've experienced in Russia and partners in Ukraine, what they've experienced as well. Uh, we know that we live in a great country, 
And we have incredible freedoms even to talk about this freely uh, here and to recognize the liberty we have in our land even when it comes to our rights to worship and all. And we know that this isn't something that just happened. People fought for this and people were willing to commit their lives in service. And whatever branch of the military you served in uh, or if you served in the Guard or Reserve, I'd like to ask all of the veterans in the room to stand and remain standing for a few moments. If you're a veteran, would you please stand? Just stand right where you are and remain standing. Thank you, remain standing for a moment. Thank you so much for your service and what that means to us as a nation. And then I wanna ask, while you stay standing, I wanna ask those, if you're a family member of one of those that's standing, a spouse, a, a child, a grandchild, a sibling of one of those that's standing, would you stand? And also those of you who maybe that loved one is already with the Lord, but when you think of a veteran on Veterans Day, you think of a father, a brother, uh, a mother, a sister, a uh, uh, a spouse, uh, would you stand, if you're a family member of a veteran, because we know that there's a lot that families go through as well, would you stand and remain standing for just a moment? Thank you. Thank you for your willingness. I know you went through some of the concern that that loved one was willing to go and fight, and some of your veteran family members did do that. Just remain standing as I pray over you and thank God for you. Father, we thank you for the veterans who stood and those who are serving currently in our military around the world. Bless them. We think of family members and the heaviness at times, maybe not knowing someone's being uh, deployed and not knowing what that meant. And we know that there have been people who have given their lives so courageously for our freedom and for the interests of our country around the world. Pray your blessing on those who are standing. Thank you for... Uh, what it means to us that they were willing to serve our nation and to make sure that we could remain free, even to worship freely as we are today. Bless these folks. Uh, bless all the family members. And may they sense uh, our appreciation in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We thought that, yes, we thought that this video would be a great way to say thank you to those who have served and to their family members.
Well, in addition to honoring and remembering our, our veterans this week and their, their courage and their, their service, there, there's also a few other things going on in the life uh, of our church and our community uh, as we go forward into this next week. The, the first many of you will be aware of uh, is that we're hitting the four-year anniversary right now of, of a twin trauma that happened here in, in the Conejo Valley, and, and that would be the four-year anniversary of the borderline shooting. Uh, which many of us uh, were deeply impacted by, and even one of our own team members here at Calvary uh, lost her life that night, and we know that just has sent ripples into our community. Uh, and then immediately following that were the fires of 2018 uh, that just caused so much destruction, so much pain. Maybe some of you lost your homes uh, or had to flee uh, and experience that trauma. Uh, and we know that for, for some of us, you're able to move on from that. But for others, every year when that comes up, uh, it just kind of opens that wound afresh. And so we want to take a moment uh, in just a second to pray for that and, and to remember and acknowledge that pain. That the second thing that's going on this week, um, almost everyone should be aware of, is that Tuesday are the midterm elections for our nation. Uh, and we'll be voting in issues that impact our community, our, our state, and our nation. Um, and as always, what we want to do is just kind of shepherd and guide uh, in every way we can toward that election. And so this morning, there's really three things we want to say here to the Calvary body from our leadership. The first is that we hope you will vote. We hope you will take advantage of this right, this privilege that has been given to us, that we acknowledge is ours to, to, to vote and to contribute to this um, system we have. Most people throughout human history has not lived under governments or in societies where they get to vote and have a voice in shaping the government, and we do. So this is a high calling and a privilege for us. So number one, we hope you will make your voice heard and vote. Number two, we hope you will vote like Christians. It would be a strange thing to follow Jesus every day of your life except when you walk into the ballot box. So as we walk in, may we vote with the values that God has, that God's righteousness and God's justice would flourish in our land, in our society. What we wanna do is vote the values that we believe God has for what he would see for a society uh, that was walking in righteousness and walking in justice. So number one, we hope you'll vote. Number two, we hope you'll vote like a Christian. And number three, and probably most importantly, is this, that there is a phrase from the Psalms that I love that says, put not your trust in princes, which is the Bible's way of saying, don't you dare trust in the government. Don't you dare put your trust in the, because the government will eventually let you down. Politicians will eventually let you down. They will fail you. They will eventually disappoint you. But there is someone who will never fail you and who will never disappoint you. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Heaven is his throne. Earth is his footstool. And on Tuesday, his seat is not up for election. Amen? <laughs> and, and, and so... We go into Tuesday and we vote and we vote our values and yet we wake up Wednesday morning, whatever happens, whether we're excited or, or discouraged or it's a mixed bag, and, and we wake up on Wednesday morning with one mission and that is to trust Jesus and follow him. No matter what happens, would you put your trust not in princes, not in the government, would you put your trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone? So I wanna pray for the things going on this next week, uh, and then we'll jump into the word of God to, together this morning. Father in heaven, thank you for this morning. Thank you for life and breath. And as we go into a week with so many things, we ask God that you would center our hearts on Jesus. We thank you once again for our veterans, and we thank you for their sacrifice, their service, their dedication. God, we thank you um, for their love. 
God, we acknowledge as we go into this week, borderline and the fires and the anniversary of that. And I pray for those who are still dealing with the wounds, maybe the physical destruction of the fires or the deep wounds of loss they feel as they go into this week. God, may you meet us and comfort us and give us your peace. And then Father in heaven, we pray for this election, this midterm election. God, we know it'll impact our community, our state and our nation. And God, I pray that your justice and your righteousness would flourish in this nation. But God, most of all, I pray we would trust you. May we be a people with all of the loud voices, with all of the division and polarization. May we be a people who hold out peace to a watching world. May we be a people who trust you no matter what. Mm -hmm. So God, help us as we go into this week to live and love like Jesus in all things. We pray this in Christ's name and all God's people said, Amen. amen. Well, if you have a Bible with you and want to open that right now, we'll be in Acts chapter 14 this morning. Acts chapter 14, as we wrap up our series called Calvary Next, where we have been looking at where God is calling our church to go, what direction, what vision, what, what, where God is sending us over the next eight years as we head toward the year 2030. And over the course of this series, you've heard us talk about various things that God has for us, and we'll wrap that up today by looking at Acts 14. Now, you'll obviously notice, usually it's uh, Pastor Sean or, or myself stepping in, um, uh, and this week, it's both of us. So we typically each take about 45 minutes. So budget about an hour and a half here. <laughs> I'm just kidding, M mostly. Um, so, uh, but, but well, we, we figured we'd have a conversation uh, yes. around this vision and where God is leading us just as we wrap up our, our, our time together um, in this series this week. Um, and so again, Acts chapter 14 is where we're gonna be. And, and I'm gonna pick up here in verse 19. Here's what it says. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. So the Apostle Paul, if you know the story in the book of Acts, comes to Jesus and he spends his life planting churches and leading people to Christ. And it seems like every city he goes into, there's fruitful ministry, but then there's pushback. And in the case of this story, there's pushback. There's people who really don't like what Paul is doing. And Paul experiences one of the great frightening moments of his life where he is stoned outside the city where they take large rocks and throw them at Paul until they think he's dead. But then here's what I love about this text, verse 20. He says, after that, the disciples gathered around him and it doesn't say he got up and said, I'm calling it quits. It didn't say he got up and went home. He didn't give up. He didn't throw in the towel. It says he got up and went back into the city. And I think this is an instructive story for all of us after we experience the last few years that all of us have experienced in our families, in our homes, in our lives, in our health, in our businesses, in our nation, that as we've experienced everything we've experienced, I think a lot of you know exactly what it feels to be knocked down, to experience loss and pain, to be knocked to the ground. And yet here's the story of Paul getting back up and going back into the city. And so Pastor Sean, we'll ask a few questions of the text this morning, but I think the first question for anyone here who knows what it's like to be knocked down is this, how do we get up after we've been knocked down? You know, whether it was the pandemic or the polarization of politics, whatever, that maybe through the pandemic, you or your children, your grandchildren, your family, there's been stress, you feel like you've been knocked down by that, that was this experience we all had together, or it's something you've gone through in your own personal life, a family thing, a financial thing, a job thing, something you just feel like life has overwhelmed you. How do you get back up? Here, he is literally stoned and left for dead, and then he gets back up. And I think the important thing for us is uh, to notice a couple of things that he does. 
he gets up. He doesn't just stay down. We, at a certain point, we have to choose, as they did in the Old Testament when they felt like they were going to be overwhelmed by their enemies. Jehoshaphat says before the Lord in the Old Testament, you know, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Get your eyes on the Lord. Everything in you will want to run from what God has called you to. We'll want you to run from that place of conflict, that place of pain. But there are times we have to say, okay, God, I don't know how this is going to work out. I'm sure Paul is, he's going back in the city, he says, I don't know how this is going to take place, but I'm going back in to this spot and my eyes are on you you got to get your eyes on him lean into him and then I love how it says in this text but after the disciples had gathered around him now you hear disciples you're thinking James and John and Andrew and Peter and Judas and Matthew you're thinking the the disciples the 12 no this is not a reference to the 12 disciples properly this is in the early church this is a, a reference to the followers of Christ who come out expecting to find his dead body that's been dragged out of the city, and he is alive, and they surround him. I just picture them encircling him to give him protection, and he goes back in the city. And, and when you are down, Satan will convince you you don't need to be in a place of worship or a place of fellowship in your small group or your ministry team. He'll convince you you don't need to be serving. But it's counterintuitive that God meets us in those moments that we lean in, we get our eyes on him when we're down, and we get our focus on him, and we get even tighter and deeper into his church family so that we can be surrounded. And then when you are down and needing people to surround you, then others will be there to surround you. And this is important for us to understand as a church, as we move forward in this vision, that this is not about us individually. This is about us growing individually, but collectively going through life together in the things we face even when we're knocked down. Yeah, so the story continues. He gets back and he goes into the city. And then in verse 20, it says, The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. And so this is typical for Paul. He goes into the city and people are coming to faith in Jesus. And yet the two things I want to point out here is that it doesn't say he won a large number of converts. It says he won a large number of disciples, meaning the goal isn't that just someone comes to faith in Jesus and says, I'm a Christian, but rather they become a disciple, someone who is walking after Jesus and living and loving like him. So what you see here in Derby is that there's a depth to their discipleship, like people are actually being discipled in the Lord, and yet at the same time that there's depth, there's also breadth. You'll see that there's a large number of disciples. In other words, it's not just a few people who are really deep, it is a large number growing both deep and wide. And I think as we go forward as a church, this has to continually be uh, the, co the conversation we have uh, of how do we make sure our church is growing deeper and, and how do we make sure our church is growing wider? Because both are an indication of a healthy church that is moving forward as God would have it. So well, let me ask this question, Pastor Sean, as we think about um, really the future of our church, and we think about the season that we believe we're called to step into where, uh, I should have stated this earlier, that really between now and the year 2030, there are 3,000 days. Uh, about 3,000 days between now and 2030, and our leadership has broken those 3,000 days up into three buckets of 1,000 days each. And we believe the next 1,000 days for Calvary Community Church as we go forward are 1,000 days of shepherding that is meant to result in spiritual health. I'll say that again, it's a thousand days of shepherding that's meant to result in spiritual health. A thousand days of us all getting back on track with the Lord, spiritual disciplines, getting plugged back into community, getting to a healthy place before the Lord after all of the mess of the last few years. Mm -hmm. So as we think about these next thousand days and we talk about health being both depth 
and width, like deep and wide, maybe the first question is, what is God calling us to do to make Calvary deeper over the next thousand days? Now, has anybody thought of the children's Sunday school song yet? He's been saying deep and wide, right? You know what I'm talking about, Uh right? Yeah, that's right. Deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain. <laughs> we're, we're willing to lead worship next week if anyone wants. Just show of hands. <laughs> Not as many hands. No, no, up. no, they didn't. Really. Um, you know, that was speaking of the grace of God. And when we, we talk about this little phrase where they want a number, so there's a width to what's happening in the growth, but of disciples, not just converts, but people who are willing to follow Jesus and and are gonna grow in Jesus and they're gonna pour into, then we wanna be that kind of church. A lot of times you find a church that is really deep in their knowledge of scripture and their love for each other and there's this depth and there can be you know 10 of them, 10 people, there can be 100 people and they're very happy with the depth and, and they have no interest in welcoming any others because they got this deep, sweet thing going on and so they're, they're a mile deep and an inch wide. Or you have other kinds of churches that it, it's so much about the numbers and marking off the notches on the belt. There's one more convert, one more convert, but there's not discipleship so that you're a, a mile wide and an inch deep. Whereas when you look at the pattern of this early church as we've been doing in this series, Calvary Next, in the book of Acts in the first century, you see them growing in breadth and depth. This isn't the only place. There are a number of occasions where you get this sense They're growing deeper in the Lord individually and together, and there are more and more people being added and multiplied to their number. So what does that mean for us? What's that gonna look like for us to go deeper? Well, as a leadership, we determined that there are three areas that we've talked about in this series, three areas where we need to go deeper as a church. The first is we need to deliberately elevate our love for God's word, not not in some legalistic way. It's true it has guidelines and instructions for life, but this book is a life-giving book. It's nourishment. It's the, the living word of God to breathe life into us as we not just hear it and read it, but then we meditate on it and we obey it. We put it into practice. And we talked about Bible Institute and other ways we want to deliberately elevate God's word in our midst. And I, I talked about the class I'll start in January. We now have 208 people signed up for how to read and study the Bible for themselves. I'm so excited about that. I think it's going to be a great class. You can sign up for that online. Uh, It'll be weekly for a number of weeks in the beginning in January, but we'll give you more details. But the whole idea, first of all, is we want to deliberately elevate our love for God's Word so that we can love God more. And then uh, we plan to uh, cultivate ways in which we, as a body, dramatically escalate our Christ-like compassion, that we care for the hurting, the marginalized, the people that get overlooked. We care for one another in times of pain and sorrow and suffering, and we want to be very intentional about that. We talked about different ways in which we want to do that, some very specific things of our missionary outreach and our local outreach, and we want to get more compassionate. And in this world, when the convictions of the world are drifting farther away from a Judeo-Christian ethical worldview, It's so important that they see our compassion and understand our grace so that when they see our conviction, they understand it in full context, growing deeper in our compassion. Then thirdly, decisively empowering our next generation, raising up leaders in the next generation of children and and students and young adults and even older adults so that, that our elders will empower the next generation of elders. We've talked about how by 2003, uh, Brian and I will switch roles. I'll sit over two, there. 2030. What did I say? 2003. 2003. We're going backward. It's great. <laughs> 2030. Yes. 2030, we will switch roles. I'll sit over there, and he'll sit over there. That's about the difference it'll be. Um, yeah. 
People have said to me, oh, you're looking forward to that retirement. I'm not retiring. Oh, you're looking forward to going part-time. I'm not going part-time. I'm switching roles and taking on new responsibilities by the yeah. time we get to 2003. But now, leading forward, <laughs> 2030, <laughs> it's hard for me to believe we've Here's gotten that. It's a great that, year. You know, <laughs> hey, anybody over 50 knows you're starting to live in years you never thought you'd see, right? <laughs> so to talk 2030 seems impossible that's to right, me. That's right, that's right. But between now and 2030, we need to do that not just in our role and for me as senior pastor and among our elders. We need to be empowering the next generation in every possible way. When a church reaches 50 years of age, uh, American church history shows us they struggle with handing off that passion, that conviction, that love for God, the good news, the, the, the leadership of the church to the next generation. We need to be doing that. That's a part of growing deeper in our love for God's word, our compassion for Christ in this world and amongst each other, and then our empowering of the next generation. That's growing deeper. So there's a depth we'll obtain through actually obedience, right? Depth is so often thought of as we learn more information or more knowledge, and that's a really healthy, good thing. But really, depth comes from obeying and walking in accordance with what Jesus has called us to do. And then, Pastor Sean, the, kind of the second question is, what's God calling us to do to make Calvary wider in the next Days. Yeah, I think that you see the discipleship happening here, and that means we pour into each other uh, so that we're deeper, but then there is a, a real emphasis on they want a number of them. The, the numbers don't represent numbers for church growth's sake, just for the sake of numbers, but that represents lives. People who are far from God need Jesus. People who've drifted away from the Lord that need to come back to the Lord. So what do we do? We, we show the love of Christ to our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers in practical ways, but it also means we share the hope of the gospel, the words of the good news, that we're all born sinners. That's the bad news, and none of us can have a relationship without with God, without God's solution. God's solution is he loved us so much he sent Jesus to die, to be buried, and to be raised for us. So we put our faith in Jesus. We have a right relationship with God by God's grace and through his forgiveness, now and forever. If you haven't put your trust and faith in Jesus, speak to one of us, speak to one of our care pastors in the lobby afterwards, speak to a Christian friend, make sure you know Jesus. But when we share those words with others, then they too can come to Jesus. And let me tell you just a very practical thing coming up. Between Thanksgiving and Christmas, we are gonna return to the Star of Wonder. We're gonna have a couple tons of snow out on the front lawn, and we're gonna gather people, and you can invite yeah, your nation. The snow's yeah, yeah, coming back. Great. It's gonna snow. Most places that's get right. worried when that's they right. say it's gonna snow, uh -huh. but we get excited about that's when it's gonna right. snow. But we'll, we'll have opportunities to invite our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends. Just invite them to come to a Christmas Eve service with you. Invite them to join you during that season of sermons. There'll be very gospel-centered sermons in the month of December as we, we look at the Christ child and why he came and what that means to our lives. So I think it's us being willing to say, you all come, right? Yeah. And being open in our small groups to new people joining in, new people joining our ministry teams. Understand we want to grow deep and wide so the glory of the Lord can be seen in us and so people will be attracted to Christ through the church being the church Christ has called the church to be. That's right. Well, it continues in verse 21. It says, They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. And so obviously part of Paul and Barnabas' ministry was strengthening and encouraging the disciples, building one another up, which is something we see all throughout the New Testament. So I guess the question for all of us to ask this morning is this, how can each of us help strengthen and encourage the disciples here at Calvary in the next thousand days? You know, some of you have moved here in the last several months or the last several years and are starting to call Calvary home. If, if you haven't yet got to know us, we have the Welcome to Calvary reception after the service. You can join us there. I'll be there to share a little bit about my story. You can bring your children. We have some 
have some refreshments and we have some games there. It'll just be 10, 15 minutes of us sharing with you after the service. You can engage there. We have our Discover Calvary coming uh, up in the not so distant future in January where you can plug in and lean in. But all of us, whether you're new to Calvary, you've been around Calvary for a while, we can use our experiences, our backgrounds, maybe how we served in other churches, how we served here at Calvary pre-pandemic. Maybe you step back. It's now time to lean in. When it comes to our our early childhood, our elementary, our middle school, and our high school, they are back, and they are back in full swing, and we need folks who will be willing to serve and use their gifts uh, to serve in these various ministries. Now, when it comes to our minors in our ministry, we want to care for them well, and so we have child protection policies you have to follow. We do fingerprinting and background checks for all those who serve, but we, would, we, we right now need to plug in and serve. If you have been taking a, a time out through the pandemic and through the season, we need you to plug in now as right. we move toward 2030. Yep. Part of us getting healthy is engaging again, fully using our gifts and serving one another. That's with our time. Uh, the time we give, that's with our abilities and talents and spiritual gifts. Next week, I'm going to begin a three-part series from 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 about one body. And what does it look like to be one body in our world today? And how do we, we live and love like Jesus as one body together? And then we talk about uh, giving of our time and then of our talents, our abilities, our, our experiences, our spiritual gifts. But then thirdly, to give financially. I know that this is a very trying time because everything costs more. And it's right at the time when, just like it was a few years back, we're launching a vision and we say, wow, there are going to be some financial challenges as we're launching this vision and trying to tackle some important things moving forward. I had a lady, I told you about an email yes. I received yeah. early in the week. A, a mom wrote me and said, we've been faithful in our giving. Didn't say what she'd been giving, but we've been trying to tithe faithfully and we've been hit economically so hard. It's going to be hard for us to do that. Pastor, do you have any words of encouragement to me. And I said, yeah, give as God has blessed you. And I said to her, you know, in my 30 years of pastoral ministry, almost 15 years here, half of that here at Calvary, my experience tells me that when we go through economic hardship and difficult times in our culture and our society, God blesses some people who step up when others are being challenged. And then those others that are being challenged step back up when they're able and as God blesses them. And so I want to encourage those of you who are finding blessing in this season to recognize there are some who are going to be challenged as we give together toward the work that's here on this campus, in this community, in our outreach, and our mission partners around the world. And so I just said to her, you know what? I don't want you to feel any guilt regarding having to step back in this season, but also be ready to engage again. And we've, we've talked about now we've made it even easier to give with the, the QR code on the chair right next to you. You can just scan that. It gives you an opportunity to give. But I also would invite you to pray with me. I pray every day that God would bless people who are part of Calvary financially with a bonus, a raise, an inheritance, a sale of a property, sale of a business, uh, in some way, something special. And give them, Lord, I pray, a heart for your kingdom with what you've blessed them with. May they enjoy it in their lives, but may you give them a heart to give to kingdom work even your local church, their local church of Calvary. And I've watched over the years that when some are being financially challenged through economic hardship, others step up and give a little extra, or those who've never given begin to give regularly. And so it has to do with our time, our talents, using our gifts and our abilities to serve one another, encourage one another, strengthen one another. It has to do with giving financially to build up the body so that we can make a difference in our world and our community. And I know the last one I want to really emphasize is prayer, prayer, prayer. Prayer is so important. How many of you were here when we cast Vision 2011, we cast Vision 2020? You remember us casting that? How many of you were here in that fall of 2011? A number of you in the room. 
We cast that vision for what God had for us for 2020. I'm using all the right years, right? That's correct. All right, yeah. very yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in 2012, I don't know if some of you remember this, but we saturated the entire year of 2012 from midnight, January 1st, to 11.59 p.m. on December 31st of 2012. There was someone praying for the ministries of Calvary every minute of every day, of every week, of every month, of that entire year. Yeah. You remember we took the 168 days, and we're doing this again, you'll explain this in a moment. I'm explaining this because we're about to do that for 2023. We believe that God bringing vision to life in Calvary 2020 and all the incredible things we saw God do, even during the times of hardship, we believe that was all because we looked to God in prayer and he empowered that vision and brought vision to life. That's the only way it's gonna happen. We believe we're attempting something so big for God in our 2030 vision that it's doomed to fail unless God is in it. And in prayer, we invite him into it. Yeah. And in prayer, we put ourselves in a place that he can use us in that vision in whatever way he wants to use us. And so if you remember, we, we took the 168 hours of a week and we asked everybody to pick an hour and our goal was to cover every hour. I was three in the morning. Yep. Yep. Three in the morning on Tuesdays, I would set my alarm and get up. That was my hour to pray. There were a couple other people signed up that same hour. Some hours, like 6 a.m., we'd have 30 or 40 people willing to pray. But we tried to cover every one of those hours so that I prayed at 3, 3 o'clock, not 3.30, mm -hmm. 3 o'clock every Tuesday morning, 52 weeks. So for 52 weeks in a row, I prayed at that hour. And now, it might be intimidating, but we gave resources to help people pray. And I met people who said, you remember that year we prayed? I grew so deep in my prayer life. I'd never prayed like that before. I learned so much. It was hard. It was intimidating. But boy, God grew me and stretched me. We're about to embark on that again to 2023. Because if we want this to be a God thing, we got to go to prayer. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be a man thing. We want this to be a God thing that he's going to do through the 2030 vision. Yeah, so I want to encourage you. If we're talking about an hour of prayer 52 times in 2023, and that sounds scary, your impulse might be to say, I'm out. But actually, this should be the call for you to be in. You might look back 25 years from now and say, 2023 was the year I learned to pray. It was the year I learned to really pray like Jesus was calling me toward. And so uh, here's how that's going to work. Uh, to sign up for one of these 168 hours of prayer throughout the course of the week, 52 times over the course of the year, uh, you'll sign up for one slot. And you can do so right here in the room if you're here or online uh, at the QR code that you have. Or for those of you watching online, it's calvarywestlake.org slash QR, where you can sign up up for that. Uh, the other option for those of you who are here in the building is as you walk out into the lobby, you'll see a large display on one of the walls of our lobby, and you'll see it here on the screen. You'll walk up to that display. You'll choose one of the times. For me in 2012, it was Thursdays at 2 a.m. I've got three kids now. There's no way that's happening anymore. But, 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 but what I do is I'm going to choose one of those times. I'm going to pull it off the wall. There's one card that you'll see here uh, on this graphic here uh, on my left uh, that you keep with you as a reminder. Put it on your, your bathroom wall or your dashboard of your car or somewhere where you'll see it to remind you to start praying in January at that time. And one card you'll fill out to give to us to indicate, this is my name, here's my email, my contact info, I am praying during this hour, and we will send you things to help you pray throughout the year. Uh, I know it's going to be an encouragement already from our young adults to Saturday night to Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Many people are signing up, so head on out there. Let's be a church that is praying every second of the year in 
in 2023, and let's watch what God happens. What happens through God uh, as we hit our knees in prayer? I'm looking forward to this. I think the most important thing we're talking about this morning is that you would join us in prayer for 2023. Mm-hmm. I want to encourage you to step into that. So again, after the service, right at the lobby or on the QR codes. We'll, we'll continue here and move, move through this text. It says in verse 20, it says that we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. And then Paul and Barnabas appoint elders for each of them in the church with prayer and fasting, committing them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. And so, um, Pastor Sean, as we look at this, we see that there's elders in every church, just like we have here, but there's really a leadership core that makes up a healthy church. There are not churches that grow deep and wide without leaders in every level of the organization helping people to become like Jesus. And so um, maybe the temptation, like you mentioned, for someone who's just moved here in the last few months or year or so, is to think this is a large church, there's staff, volunteers everywhere, everything's taken care of. But, but I don't think that's the case. And so maybe I could just ask it through this way. Is, are there opportunities for people to step up and lead here at Calvary in the next thousand days? Yeah, there are. You've got opportunities when it comes to, like I mentioned, our children's and student ministries. They're growing and kids are coming out and opportunities to reach them and their families for Jesus. Uh, you can volunteer in that area. We've got areas in terms of small group leaders and small group hosts. We've got areas in our hospitality ministry of greeting and ushering and parking lots. We've got ministry opportunities in worship. We've got ministry opportunities in our care ministry, our local outreach ministries. There are just places in which you can plug in as we move forward together uh, to, to ensure that we are moving through uh, our, 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 our journey together of growing deeper and wider. And then I would just mention that there are opportunities, even uh, we have, uh, even a ministry we're, we're, we're growing right now and getting ready to launch is we know that during the pandemic, some people started self-medicating with alcohol, drugs, prescription medications, and, um, and the, the numbers are skyrocketing in terms of people who are struggling with that. We're going we're gonna to be upgrading and enhancing our addiction recovery ministries here at Calvary and bringing someone on staff to help us do that. And so that's an area we're going to need more people leaning in. There's just going to be a number of opportunities for us to lean in, to plug in. If you've been a spectator in the last three or four years in this church or any church, it's time to not be a pew potato and get involved and engaged in what God is doing in your church because God is up to something big in this season here at Calvary. Well, the text ends this way in verse 24. It says, After going through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word at Perga, they went down to Italia. And from Italia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work that they had now completed. Uh, On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And then verse 28 ends this way. It says, And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. And so really, Paul's missionary journey, he's ping-ponging between all of these different cities. He's going crazy, uh, planting churches, leading people to Jesus. There's this intense travel schedule. And then what does it say in verse 28? He stays a long time in one place. And I think one of the most powerful things God will do in and through our lives is when we root ourselves deeply in a place. And sometimes life calls us other places. We have to move because of work or family, and we understand that. But one of the most powerful things you will do is to plant roots deeply into one community, one small group, one church, to say, this is my place, this is my home, I'm going to stay a long time with these disciples as we follow after Jesus. And as we conclude this vision series, our our call is really this, 
to plant yourself deeply here at Calvary, to not sort of be moving around and bouncing around or to find a church, whether it's this church or another good Bible teaching, gospel proclaiming church, and to root yourself deeply. And as we root ourselves deeply, that is where God will do his best work in our lives. Mm. And so as we look at that, and I know for so many here, they have spoken to people this morning who said, you know what, uh, I've been kind of just all over the place, but I'm in, this is my church, how do I move forward? Pastor Sean, I think the final question this morning is this, what is the Lord calling all of us toward in the next thousand days? Well, it goes back to something we talked about earlier. If we're going to make disciples and we're going to be disciples who live and love like Jesus in the world today, it goes back to that, that, that passion we're to have, three phases of our passion and love. One is to love God more. Lean into God. Even when those hardships come, like we read here in this passage, that's when you open your Bible. That's when you pray. That's when you show up for worship. That's when you get with your small group, when the tendency will be to lean back. And so love God more, love God's family more, love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Remember, Jesus said, with all the differences you have, you're united in me, and your love for each other will show the world that you are my followers. In such a polarized world, if people from different backgrounds and walks of life can be united around Christ and love each other in those differences, even if they're political, then there is something unique, and the world says what they have is so different, it's got to be from God. I need that too. Love God more. Love God's family more. And then thirdly, love our neighbors more. Be aware of the needs of the next-door neighbor. How can you love them? How can you serve them? How can you wash their feet? What can you do to meet their needs? Love our neighbors more. Because after we have loved God, we've loved his family, that love that we share together from Christ should splash out into the local community, to our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, our relatives. And I know we've got a very practical way to remind us yeah. to live in love like Jesus, to love God more, love God's family more, and love our neighbors more. And what is that? Yeah, we say here all the time that our church exists to make disciples who live and love like Jesus, which means the call of God on my life and on your life and on all of our lives is to be a people through the power of the Holy Spirit who are becoming more like Jesus, or how we say it, who are living and loving like Jesus. And what we need from time to time when we have a mission and a call in our life is a little reminder, something we can see that says, yes, that that's what I'm supposed to be doing in my home, in my business, at my school, in my community. Wherever I go, living and loving like Jesus is what I'm called to center myself in. And so what we've done is a reminder for all of us this morning as we walk out of this place and head into this eight-year journey of Calvary 2030 uh, as we have produced thousands of these coffee mugs for you. And so you, for coming to church this morning, will leave with a coffee mug. You get a coffee mug and you get a coffee <laughs> mug. Um, you will see the Calvary C on one side and live and love like Jesus on the other side. I want to encourage you to grab this and to put this somewhere in your home where you will see it on a regular basis. Maybe it's the cup of coffee you have. Cup of, yes, I've heard people refer to it as coffee with Jesus in the morning. They open their Bible, spend time in prayer, and fill it up. Maybe it's something else. Maybe you put it somewhere in your room or somewhere in your house that says, I'm going to remember that the call of God on my life is to live and love like Jesus. I want to encourage you to grab a mug for yourself on the way out the door today and be reminded that as we go toward 2030, the mission of living and loving like Jesus remains the same. And uh, take one mug, not a set of mugs. Uh, <laughs> Christmas presents for everyone, right? <laughs> 
And let me tell you this, that when we live in love like Jesus, in that we're loving God more every day, loving God's family more, more every day, and we're loving our neighbors more every day, there's a page at the end of that Vision magazine. If you didn't get one of those Vision magazines, Calvary 2030, you can get it in the lobby. But there's a final page. It gives these, these ideals that we want to be said about Calvary in, by 2030. If not already said about us now, we want them to even be there and be stronger by 2030. This page has these circles. It says, when we think about Calvary 2030, what we think the church will look like in 2030, we see a day when no one will live in the greater Carnal Valley long without hearing the good news of Christ Jesus crucified for our sins. We see a day when those in our community with physical and material needs will turn to Calvary as a first response, not their last resort. We see a day when Calvary is a trusted resource in the region for those struggling with mental health and addictions. We see a day when those in the greater Canal Valley seeking answers know that Calvary is the place, a safe place to ask questions and find answers. We see a day when Calvary Community Church is a place when the, where the disillusioned and deconstructing know that this is a place to experience healing and wholeness. We see a day when other local churches are deeper and wider and consider Calvary a blessing. We know there are other great churches in this area, and we want to see them grow and thrive too, and we want to build into them. We see a day when those who disagree with our convictions cannot deny our compassion. We see a day when the holiness of our church raises the curiosity of a watching world. We believe that those are the, the, the expressions of who we will be and the reputation that God will give us as we pursue the Calvary 2030 vision together. And we replicate so many of the things that the church of the book of Acts had in the first century that were empowered by the Spirit and focused on the Lord and Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, when I was a kid, we'd go on field trips, and probably you remember going on field trips in your childhood. I was raised in the South Bend, Mishawaka area in northern Indiana, and it's hard to find real creative places to go besides farms and other things on a, on a third grade field trip. But we would go to a cemetery. Doesn't that sound exciting? You go to a cemetery. <laughs> 1976, it was in third grade, and I went to a cemetery in South Bend, but we went to see a tree, a big oak tree, they told us that this tree was three or 400 years old, at least that old, and it was called the Council Oak Tree, a historic spot where in 1681, 1681, the fur, French fur trader LaSalle actually gathered uh, all the Indian tribes of the Great Lakes and the French and the British, and there was this great treaty they made so that trade could happen, and it happened in this council. There's even a picture that hangs in a museum there of, of, uh, of the Indian gathering uh, in South Bend under that tree, and this beautiful tree, and the teacher told us this tree, you see how wide its branches are, you see how, you see how tall the tree is. She said, actually, to support that and the storms and wind and tornadoes that come, the root system is deep like it is tall, and it's wide like the branches are wide to be able to stand up these hundreds of years. And that's what we envision for us. Now, every illustration breaks down. In 1990, a tornado came and destroyed the tree. And um, <laughs> this, this is what you see now when you go visit the tree. But that tree was not built Amen. like Calvary in our lives on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, Amen. right? And as you come onto this campus to worship, you'll see the two signs that have the big oak tree, wide branches and tall, 
Just remember, for a tree to stand for ages, there is a depth and a breadth that is there. And we don't want just an outside reputation that we're something. We want to individually and in our homes and as a church grow deeper and wider in our love for the Lord, for his family and the world around us, our neighbors, so that more and more people can come to Jesus, just like the experience here in, in Acts chapter 14. And may I ask you, if you've been leaning back a little bit recently, plug in again. Yeah. If you haven't plugged in before, plug in now. Yeah. You say, what's the first step? Take a slot of prayer. Yeah. And let's plan to bathe this in prayer. Yeah. Because this is doomed to fail unless God is in it. And the way we invite God in it is on our knees in prayer. Let's grow deep and wide individually in our homes and together as a church so that Jesus can be seen in us and others can come to Jesus too. Yeah. Amen to that, and let's pray together as a church, believing for what God has for us individually, as families, as a church, over the next eight years. Father in heaven, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the ways it challenges us, encourages us, and drives us to become more like Jesus. God, as we move forward together, God, I pray you would make us deep. May we have a depth of insight and knowledge into who Jesus is at this church. May we be wide. I pray there would be thousands of people we would baptize in the coming years who come to know and have faith and confidence in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And God, above all, I pray that you would be glorified in everything that is said and done at this church. May the glory be yours. May the fame be yours. May you be exalted in every generation, uh, in every person, over this church, over this valley, in our world. We pray this in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen. Well, we will close with one final song here, but before we do, let me remind you two things we mentioned. The first uh, is that the 24 hours of prayer is right across the way in the lobby. You can go ahead and do that or do so online or at the QR codes. The second is that we will have our Calvary welcome reception immediately after the service across the way. We've met people this morning who said, you know, I've been coming to Calvary for a few years over the pandemic, but it's time for me to plug in, meet some people. If that's you, spend a few minutes with us at the reception. We would love to meet you right over there. We'll be heading over there. There'll be pastors in the U usual place where Pastor Sean or myself stand if you want to pray with someone this morning. Uh, and then finally, I want to invite you, as we spoke about this morning, to give to the regular offering of our church. We believe a grateful people are a generous people, and that is who we are at Calvary, a grateful people who are generous. I invite you to use the QR code. There's basket or there's um, uh, offering uh, containers uh, and then uh, online options, uh, but ways you can give. I want to invite you to give this morning. Uh, and then just for those of you who are part of the Calvary family, some inside family business here, uh, we are upgrading our platform to give online to make it more convenient and easy and, of course, secure for you uh, to give. If you have given to Calvary in the last few years, you have received an email from us. Uh, you'll see it here on the screen. Go ahead and open that email, take a look at it, and you'll have a sneak peek at what's coming next. If you have any questions, you can fire an email off to the email up here on the screen. Reach out to our team. We'd love to help you in any way. But I invite you to give to what God is doing in our church, in our community, and all around the world. And with that said, it's all about Jesus. So would you stand to your feet right now, and we're going to sing about that same Jesus. Jesus.